Welcome to the Lance Wallnow Show. Today's show is sponsored by Birch Gold. Visit lancewallnow.com forward slash Birch. Wait until you hear what happened at our latest live event. Lance is bringing down the house. Let's jump in. All the great books that I read about the end times, they're all great. 90% of them traumatize you on stuff you already know is wrong, just gives you more details. <laughs> then they all come up with some abstract solution. Repent, America needs to repent, somebody needs to repent. Well, okay. Well, maybe, maybe we can repent and have a move of God at the same time. Yeah. And maybe a whole lot of people that don't know Jesus can know Jesus and they'll repent right then when they answer the altar call and get born again. 40 million people are ready to get saved in America. So anyway, what a beautiful board. This, they, they put this together just for me, I think. I want to give to you, when we do a Supreme Court case, I work with all kinds of interesting things. We help to fund Supreme Court cases. And we help to win Supreme Court cases in my groups I work with. And uh, when we do a Supreme Court case, we talk about the first thing we talk about is called the theory of the case. That means we have to have a concept about how we're going to frame the argument so that we win. So I want to give you my theory of the case. If you never saw this before, I'll do this real quick. If you've seen it before, I'm going to do it quick. I've done this so many times, just about the time I want to stop doing it. I realize it's just starting to sink in. I've got to keep doing it. How many do we have? We have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Whoops! One too many mountains. The Mormons are always trying to get in there. Okay. Keep an eye on those sneaky Mormons. Everywhere I go, they're sneaking in. So here's my theory of the case. Culture is a very complex subject. It can be very, very, very confusing. When you read in the newspaper, I like to have a way of decoding and simplifying the complex. So when I look at the news, it's either news about what the government's doing or what some woke corporation is doing or what some media personality just said or got fired or taken off of Fox News or what some movie just came out. Or it's talking about uh, some college campus, some radical professor, some protest on the campus, some crazy woke theology. And I realize something. Almost all of what's shaping the great mind of the United States is coming from the education or the academia. It's coming from government. It's coming from media. It's coming from the sports or the arts realm. Or it's coming from some woke business or it's some banking collapse and something like that, some monetary policy. Over here, we have the two elements that have always been the Jewish place we go to. This is my forefathers. We've known that we've never been more than 2% of the population of the United States. But look at how Jews have shaped this country from uh, Bernstein to Einstein to Seinfeld. We're in every mountain. <laughs> but we're always taught to be the head and not the tail above and not beneath, so we aim for the top. Alan Dershowitz, there's only about 12 of us. We all know each other. <laughs> so the religion mountain, or the church, I call it religion mount because this template, by the way, works in every country I go to. It doesn't have to be a church. It could be a mosque. If I'm in Islam country or a Hindu country in India, I can look at their religion. The religion mountain is one of the seven towering strongholds that shapes a nation. Our case, it should be the church. The church and family. So how is it that the Jews have always survived? Well, we've always survived because even though we're 2% of any nation, we always have 
the synagogue and the bar mitzvah and the family. And by doing that, even secular Jews are still Jews. They vote crazy, they think crazy, but they're still Jewish. They still identify as Jews. Why? Because of the family and tradition. That's how the Jews were able to be scattered all over the world and come back in the same language, same belief, same practice, same Torah. It's a fascinating thing. 75 years, by the way, 75 years. Well, this week, Israel is celebrating its 75th anniversary. <laughs> Greatest miracle of your lifetime, folks, is what happened. After 2,000 years of being scattered all over the globe, we return, we come back to the same real estate, the same land. I got a sister down in Israel. I got nieces and nephews. And, and all going back, practicing the same religion, same faith. This is an act of God. So you got, but you see, we're only 2% of the population, but no matter what happens, you can preserve, Christians can preserve their faith if they practice it in their family and they've got a strong church. Even if it's a strong underground church and practice, these two here will insulate you like a prophylactic from the contamination of the rest of those mind molders. You've got to have a strong church, a strong family. You can resist the devil all over the neighborhood. As long as you've got a strong church, a strong family. Make sense? So what do we got here? Well, you see those seven mountains, seven mountains, and that's an interesting story about the seven mountains, because Kim Clement was telling me about how he had, he had uh, the Senator Crotz in Georgia got, got a, uh, he died, he died after getting a prophecy from Kim. This is how the seven mountains thing came around. He got this prophecy that he was going to be involved with politics, and he was going to have a son who's going to walk in the same steps as the father. And so Mike Crotz, Senator Mike Crotz, not yet senator, real estate developer, Mike Krotz, has a heart attack outside the Marriott Hotel in Conyers, Georgia. And for 15 minutes, they can't resuscitate him. And I got the little video of it. They're trying to get him to at least get a heartbeat. Oh, they can't. Another 15 minutes or 10 minutes down to the hospital, five minutes in there, they're trying to, he's been, he's been dead for like 25, 30 minutes. Can't get a vital sign out of him, so he's an organ donor. And uh, they call Phyllis in, who's desperate, young Pentecostal wife, Husband's supposed to be called into politics, gets a prophecy, dies before it happens. And uh, they say, your husband's an organ donor. While, you know, while he's here, we'd like to be able to just authorize this document. She goes, I, 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 I can't do that. Let me see him. She goes in, and she starts prophesying over the dead husband. Michael, the word of the Lord said that you're going to have a son named Caleb, which they have. He's only two years old. And you're going to be walking in the political office, and your son's going to walk in the same steps as his father. Michael, the word of the Lord says you're going to be in a political office and you're going to train your son Caleb. And she's prophesying, and of course, the doctor realizes he's got a delirious Pentecostal here. <laughs> Calls security. I got a crazy Pentecostal. Please come and get her out of here. Police guy comes in, grabs hold of her, trying to pull her off the body of Michael Crotz, who she's prophesying, crying over. Finally, the Cop pulls her off, break, busts up her hand with jewelry, southern women with big jewelry again, and so hurts her hand. But she reaches back and grabs his leg, and then says something really strange. She says, Michael, come back into your body now. Doesn't even say it in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Meanwhile, Michael is in heaven having a conversation with Jesus. And I want you to know something about your dearly departed loved ones. When they're on the other side... They have no recollection of pain. They have no desire to be back here either. The big pull for them is staying there. And if you must know, the mischievous thing that almost all of them are interceding for is your quick death. Because what Michael was saying was, can't you bring Phyllis and Caleb here? 
can't you just, because it's, it's not even death when you're there. It's just like you miss them. The only thing that is incomplete is the people you love. Can't you just bring them here? Jesus says, no, I'm going to show you something. He shows them this, this body of water there. He says, why don't you look at this, Michael? Michael sees this body of water. And he shows them these islands coming up out of the water. And then, now I'll tell you, I'll tell you what happens in this vision. I'm going to now tell you how I heard it. Because I'm going to go interview Mike Crotz in his home because the man is resurrected from the dead. When he says this, how can I know the story? I know the story because I interviewed him at a dream trip in the Bahamas. I had him and his wife come down and tell the whole story. If you're like me, uh, you get frustrated when you see Target and these big shop stores that are pushing their woke agenda on your children. How do you fight back? Well, you've got to reorganize. Public Square is what you've got to do. I want you to give your business to people that share your values, share your faith, that are patriots, and that are pushing back on these big, woke corporations. Go to lancewalnut.com forward slash public square or public SQ. Download the free app so that you can shop with people in your own area. Put the money in your community in the pockets of the friends that are sharing your values. And by the way, if you've got a business, you especially need to use this app because you can put your business on the app so that other people know who you are and they can do business with you. LanceWallet.com forward slash public square. Do it now. What happens is Jesus tells him he's got to go back because he has an unfinished assignment. His unfinished assignment is his political calling. He comes back into his body, boom, back in. And what's interesting there on planet Earth is the moment that he came back into his body, all these lights were going off in the hospital. And it's strange how the spirit of unbelief operates, but you know, not every doctor really has faith for your resurrection. <laughs> and so, we'll just rewind. Michael, come back into your body now. Boom. Next thing you know, ding, 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 ding. The lights are going on. He's breathing. Something's going on. And Dr. Kevorkian here, who called for the security, <laughs> spins around and says to her, now you've done it. Now you've done it. I mean, you're in the outer limits right here. What do you mean she's done it? I've done what? She's a crazy Pentecostal talking to invisible people. What are you talking about? Now you've done it. Whatever it is you just did, we'll be fortunate if we can sustain him in a coma. And by the way, if he ever comes out of that coma, he will remember half of his history. He hasn't had oxygen for 30 minutes. Half of his memory's wiped clean. Oh, well, Phyllis thought maybe she did something wrong. Like maybe she made a mistake. That's how you think when you're a young Pentecost. You don't know. Oh, oh did I do something wrong? Oh, God, did I do something wrong? But then she said something to me that fascinates me about women. It's like when Perry was talking about, you'll notice you won't have any wrinkles and everything. I, I, I laughed at myself, because women have an interesting value system. <laughs> you see, Phyllis is telling me the inside story. She said, I went home that night while Michael was still breathing and alive, but I didn't know, is he brain dead? Is he going to be brain dead? Will he be in a coma? And I, did I make a mistake? And she said, what really got me was when that doctor said, he's going to forget half of his memory. She said, he's going to open his eyes, and he's going to expect a 25-year-old woman in front of him. <laughs> this 
this is weird. This is what motivated the intercessory breakthrough. She said, right then I felt the spirit of God come over me and I went back to that hospital and I prayed for his complete recovery. I'll be darned if Michael opens his eyes and thinks I'm 21 years old. I'm in my 40s now. It's like, okay, okay. Like, what happened, Phyllis? Well, I went over there and laid hands on him. And he came out. He knew who I was. And he said, where's Caleb? Which meant his memory was restored right down to a two-year-old. Now, the guy is elected four times. And I will tell you the story. I'll let you judge the origin of the seventh mountain message because here's the truth about it. I hear the story. I call up Kim Clement's uh, secretary, Debbie R, and I say, I'd like to get a hold of, Dr., of, of Senator Crotts and his wife to hear journalistically. I want to film, I'm going to bring a film crew down. It's the most exciting thing I've heard. I want to talk to them about the experience because I believe, I've heard, he saw something when he was dead for 30 minutes and had to do islands coming up out of this ocean. I believe those islands might correspond. The Lord's telling me about seven mountains is what I'm getting. And so, Debbie Arndt says to me, here is what happened. Out of the ocean comes seven islands. Seven islands became seven mountains. And the Lord said, those mountains are the kingdoms of this world. And then suddenly one great island grew up behind them and it became a towering mountain that towered over all of them. And the Lord said, and that is the mountain of my kingdom and is greater than all the kingdoms of this earth. I said, uh-huh, very good, very good. I said, what else? She said, and then the Lord turned to Michael and said, you are called to go into that mountain. And he pointed at one, it is the political mountain. Michael, there must be agreement. At that moment, Michael realized that God was requiring him to submit to the assignment that was on his life. And he submitted and in that moment, Phyllis Crotz was saying, come back into your body now. Boom. And he went back and was elected four times to being a state senator. And didn't mind telling people his testimony. Thought he was off his rocker, but it was his testimony. So I get down there with my film crew. Michael says, and there they were, the islands appear land. So I said, seven? He goes, well, actually, no, these islands appeared. I'm going, well, what's going on here? He said, and then people were studying up. I realized there were people, there were believers in all sorts of occupations. They weren't preachers. They were the body of Christ in various professions. And they were standing on the island of their territory. And the territory that they were exercising dominion over would not shake in God's their ruling in the territory I gave them. I said, wow. Wow. When did the big island show up? You know, the one that towers over all the other ones. He goes, what? I go, and we know when the Lord told you there must be agreement. He goes, huh? Come on. Senator, I just, I've been preaching this message the whole way down here. He goes, well, I don't know that. He said, I'll tell you this, though. The Lord told me there were things that happened up there that I wouldn't remember. I'd only remember part of it. I thought, this is crazy. So I call up Kim's secretary, Debbie Arn. I said, Debbie, not for nothing. But I was just at the Voice of the Apostles conference there with Heidi Baker, Bill Johnson, Randy Clark. I just told thousands of people to testament the seven mountains coming up out of the ocean. And they're all applauding and all excited. And it's absolutely wrong. He says that's not what happened. He doesn't know about seven. She goes, Dr. Lance, I don't mean to contradict you, but you didn't talk to me. I said, Debbie, is this not your number? I repeat the number. He goes, yes, but I don't know who you talked to. 
That's my number, but I never had this conversation with you. I said, well, if you didn't, then who did? I'm still upset. She said, well, maybe it was an angel. I called back Michael. I go, Michael, is it possible that these things, because they're all congruent with what I, what I, what I said. He said, he, so anyway, he says, yes, I believe, because the Lord told me I wouldn't recall everything. I only recall the part that I can recall. He said, but what you're saying about the seven mountains, I believe that's the message. This summer, oh, July 21st or so, I'm in Aruba with Annabelle. I forced myself to take vacations. <laughs> For real. The first week, I'm kind of like wandering around like a caged animal because I don't know what to do. It's a vacation. But the Lord always tells me, hey, go and enjoy that vacation with your wife. So I'm down there. I got a call from Donna Clement, Kim Clement's daughter, crying. Lance, have you heard? Michael Krotz has died. Michael called me the day before to give me a message. The message was, I believe those seven mountains is what happened to me in heaven. I believe what you're saying is exactly the message. And God's telling me to tell you, you thought it was for then, but I'm telling you the seven mountain message is for now. You've got to get it out. Day later, he went to heaven. Donnie calls me. Michael's gone. I said, it's impossible. I was just talking to him yesterday. This time of day, I was talking to him. She goes, no, Phyllis just called me. He died today. I called Phyllis up. She said, I heard every word that he said to you on the phone, Lance. I really believe that his assignment was to make sure you understood that the baton has passed off and you've got to get the message out that God's not finished invading planet Earth and there are seven kingdoms he's about to rock. See, my concern, and this may not be what you want to enthusiastically embrace, but my business as a prophet is to tell you what you are supposed to hear, whether it's popular or not. While we focus on the rapture and the end times and the marriage supper and getting out, God actually has an assignment for you right here. And if you want to know how to enjoy the end times, be in the middle of an unfinished assignment. The Apostle Paul is on a ship going to Rome. He's tangled up with a political controversy, a court case. This is, this is not new for the kingdom of God, apostolic political problems. And he's uh, going as a prisoner. He's got to appear before Caesar in Rome, but it's a prophetic destiny. Jesus appeared to him in Rome and said, as you have testified for me here, so you must also appear before Caesar in Rome. He's actually got a divine appointment in Rome. Listen, real careful. He's got a divine appointment and a destiny. And Satan wants to sink the ship and drown him so he can't fulfill his divine appointment. He tells the centurion, the government, the owner of the ship business, and the crew, everybody else, sirs, I wouldn't go on this journey right now if I was you. We're in a port. Let's just stick in this port. And uh, because if you leave, if you don't listen to my advice, it's quite likely that you're going to lose cargo, you're going to lose your economic investment, you're going to lose the ship, and you're probably possibly going to lose your own life. Stay here. Well, they have a vote, and they overrule the, uh, the radical Pentecostal Jewish prophet. <laughs> they decided this wasn't the place they wanted to stay, and they took off. How do you think Paul feels, him and Luke, who's stuck with him probably, as Paul is watching them go headlong in a direction heading for judgment? and he's a prisoner on board their ship. 
This is at times what I feel like in America. And so I'm a hostage on a clown car. So, but the Apostle Paul is engaging in apostolic travail. Why? See, here's the difference between now and all the years before when we did end-time conferences and end-time teaching. It was always in the future when the Antichrist would rise up, and, you know, and we, would, we would speculate. Embarrassing speculation, I admit. Is Henry Kissinger the beast? Is Gorbachev has that mark in his forehead. Could it be the mark of the beast? These are real conversations we have. Uh, then the barcode. Remember that one? Hey, we're going to put that barcode right there, right there. I'm sure women are going to love that little tattoo. <laughs> then I remember my favorite one was the guy was trying to sell how to go through the grocery line without, uh, without the mark, and it was a little mannequin hand you held onto that has the mark on it, but it's not you. <laughs> that, that was being marketed in Charisma magazine for a month. Anyway, the closer it gets to actually happening, suddenly the theology shifts a little bit, like, what the heck? This isn't as interesting as I thought it was. Pretty bad, man. So here's what I'm going to suggest to you. What if we're like Paul on board the ship, stuck in the clown car, and they're drinking, and they're driving and spending the money like they're crazy, and you're stuck in their car? Now, sure, you can focus about that rapture. I'm with you on that one. But I don't think Paul was looking for a rapture on that ship. I think it was interceding to get the heck out of that, mes that miserable mistake that they made. Angel shows up. Remember my point as a prophet. The secret to you having fun in the end times is not escaping, but being in the middle of an unfinished assignment that's evolving while you're on it. You want to have fun in an economic downturn, Great Depression, war, and all the kinds of judgments and insanity and stupidity that will be visited upon a nation that is rebellious against its own God? Well, you're going to have to be uh, in Goshen when those judgments happen. To be in Goshen, it's not a physical proximity. It's not Chattanooga. It's actually going to be called the will of God. You're going to have to be in the middle of an unfinished assignment. This will help you out. If you have prophecies that haven't been fulfilled, you will hug them before the day is over. Some people are fighting with their unfulfilled prophecy. I was told I was going to have a baby. Enjoy that prophecy. You haven't had that baby yet. Hug it. Because that unfulfilled prophecy is the reason why you're still here. So anyway, Apostle Paul has a breakthrough, evidently, because the angel comes down and says something interesting. I want you to catch this. The angel says to Paul, and read the 17th chapter, 18th and 19th chapter of Acts. It's all there. The angel says, Paul, I've been sent to tell you that you must appear before Caesar in Rome. And I have been sent to make sure you get there. And now, the Lord, being in a good mood, <laughs> has decided to save all of them that are now sailing with you. Catch the nuance. He was hostage on the clown car till then. But his unfinished assignment hit a moment of peril where it would have interrupted his own prophetic destiny, which Jesus had planned for him. And so his apostolic travail and intercession and fasting, had he, he wasn't indifferent, he was pressing in. Then God answered with an angelic intervention in the middle of a storm and says, 
You were with the knuckleheads up till now, but from now on, their salvation is the fact that they're hanging out with you. America will not be saved because of a better political strategy. Stop arguing over DeSantis or Trump. It ain't going to be saved because the politics is going to be saved because the body of Christ reaches a fevered pitch in fulfilling an unfulfilled assignment. America isn't finished yet because the assignment isn't over yet. At some point, they're sailing with you. Your job is to stay focused on getting your face in Rome. God has called you to go to Rome. Your assignment and your destiny is to get your butt where your face is. <laughs> and God will use the distress of economic cargo being lost and ships being broken up in order to establish your authority in the next chapter. Get ready for a multa, because multa is the island they ended up on when they all cracked up, when the ship broke up. Now, this is the time when Paul sees his healing ministry break out. And who does it break out with? Publius, the chieftain of the island, whose father was sick with a disease of a bloody flux. Publius, the chieftain of the political leader locally, was under the influence of the anointing of the local apostolic breakthrough. You're going to see regions of America break out into multiland, where the signs, wonders, miracles, and revivals are going to be regionally conspicuous all over the United States. You happen to be in one of those epicenters of that visitation here in this part of Tennessee. Chattanooga and Cleveland are separated for that visitation. Did you enjoy this latest episode? Please remember to share it with your friends because the more knowledge you have, the better equipped you are to navigate the world. Everybody is concerned about what's happening to the economy. I mean, it wouldn't be too far uh, conjecture to say that it's almost as though America is experiencing a recession that looks like it could be heading into a depression. And I'm praying that Donald Trump's prophecy that you'll see a depression the likes of which you've never seen never happens. But you know, the guy was uncannily accurate in so many things he said. That's why I'm telling my friends to go to Birch Gold right now, lancewallet.com forward slash Birch. Get the 25-page report on how you can protect your wealth, protect your investments, protect your IRA, protect your retirement. The uh, report that they give you is an explanation as to how commodities and gold and silver variously work during periods of time when the dollar is unstable. I'm telling you, you need to get the education. Knowledge is power. LanceWallet.com forward slash Birch. You won't regret it.